0: listening to primal radio the podcast dedicated to combat sports martial arts self-defense and the warrior mindset and here are your hosts from hamilton new
1: jersey jim mccann and london england tom mcgrath
2: all right primal radio we are back with get right to our my my good friend i'll give you a big introduction i've known this guy for i don't know 20 years uh, i met him first in las vegas and he's a super talented martial artist he's uh got rank under Hawk Tackett. me i guess <laughs> if that matters that what it's worth <laughs> yeah, what, it, what it's worth look he's got all kinds of certifications got multiple certifications as a life coach as a, a fitness trainer and obviously a world-class martial arts trainer and my good friend and buddy keith miller what's up brother i am so
0: proud to be here we're just can't, I just can't express
2: it. Can't <laughs> we were talking about it. I said, well, let me just give you a call and see if you're available and we'll, we'll kind of reminisce and talk about uh, the martial arts and what you're doing now and what the heck's going
0: on, you know? So,
2: Tom, you want to say anything?
0: Hello. <laughs> uh, my new friend across the pond. That's the correct term, right? You're yeah. across the pond? The guy that nicked your job yeah no no you don't my job i gave you the fucking job that, <laughs> uh, i would just was, like to check that the job.
1: pay is still the same so you you got a okay. thousand dollars a
0: show as well right hey wait, wait what <laughs> <laughs> we need yeah. to have a chat afterwards
2: we do anyway so like i said i know keith quite a while and actually keith i first met you in Las Vegas, right? With uh, Tim Tackett seminar,
0: wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like the big first ever gathering of the Wednesday night group. Christ, could it really be that long? <laughs> it was something like 2000. Are we really that old? <laughs> we are. It was something like
2: 2004. Bob Bremer was still alive. I-, I guess I had some interaction with you, right? Obviously, I had with because of Hawk. And mm-hmm. Tackett was there, Bob Bremer, Jim Sewell. It was a big camp in Vegas. Tom, you weren't around yet, I don't believe it, right?
1: 2009 was my first one, ah, so which makes me feel old, old, but obviously... not <laughs> <old>. <laughs> But it was a great camp. Oh,
0: great. There. I remember Dean and I got in trouble for like freelancing during one of the grappling sessions because we <laughs> oh, thought... Doing was stupid, so we just started doing whatever. We wanted to do. <laughs> and but was I like, wasn't teaching that section. That was no, you weren't teaching. It was someone <laughs> else, or remain nameless. But uh, yeah. I mean, that was that was considered disrespectful, I guess. So, well, all right, right, but it was it, it was. a, a Kundo seminar, you can't do what you want to do.
2: No, it doesn't make sense. Now, <laughs> what happened after that is that Keith had invited me to come up to a school in Sacramento. Yeah. I think the name of it was Sacramento CQC. Is not that what it was called at the time?
0: At the time, yeah. Until the creditors came after us, then we changed the name. <laughs> you have
2: to change. Well, we're going to talk about, you know, the whole out of running of school, all that shit. So when <laughs> I, I go up there, and it was a great school. I had MMA boxing, a little, pretty much the same thing I do. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the hawk stuff. And and Keith's a hell of a coach. But I I, I get invited out to uh, California, and uh, I don't even know how it came. Keith asked me. I guess on a weak moment, <laughs> I said, "Hey, why don't you come out to California and visit?" So I'm gonna tell the story. I don't, I'm sure you remember the story, but I'm gonna tell the story. So I get to Sacramento. I ain't not taken a shit in like a day, right? So, <laughs> so I make it to keys. You know, beautiful house and keep that. I don't know what we do. We hung out all night. I go to bed and it's my. I'm always up early at five o'clock in the morning here which makes it like 2 o'clock in the morning. 2, 3 in, o'clock
0: in, in California, right, yeah. In,
2: in Sacramento. So <laughs> I go into the bathroom, right? And uh, it's beautiful. Nice carpeting. There's There's poo on top of the toilet. Towels are folded so immaculately. Where right, I get in there, and finally, you know, like, I got to go, right? <laughs> I'm sitting in there just dropping a bomb. <laughs> Kaboom! There's the mother of all shits is. George Bush would say, and then <laughs> I, I stuff up his toilet, and <laughs> the toilet doesn't work anymore. I'm like, oh my god! So then I have to find a plunger. I I can't fly to California. Stuff up this guy's toilet. Now my pants, mind you, are down at my ankles, right? <laughs> I have got a plunger in my hand. I take the lid off the top of the toilet. The poopery and the flowers. The poopery goes pop,
0: everywhere. It goes yeah.
2: everywhere, all all over the all over the bathroom floor, and then all of a sudden. Keith, I guess, gets up in the middle of the night, opens the door, looks at me. I look at him. I go, it's just not as bad as it looks.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just but, but then, what did <laughs> I do? I just turned around and went back <laughs> to bed. It's like, I'll yeah. leave you with this at 7 a.m.
2: <laughs> I'm there. There's a naked gorilla in his bathroom I'm holding a plunger, and there's flowers on the floor. It doesn't look good. Smelled like death warmed
1: over. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was my first time out to California. That was and probably your last. You probably didn't get invited no, back after that.
2: I did. Amazingly enough, he, he saw he the error of my ways. So.
0: <laughs> no, I think we did. We did uh, three or four seminars. Oh, boy,
2: that. Yeah, I was coming out once a year for a while. Now you had a couple great fighters. Remember, I came out with Ben, obviously Ben, uh, who's just a beast. This guy, <laughs> I did. I was out there, and Ben was doing his black belt test i worked as his stunt man didn't
0: i yeah and then i think the next day he did a grappling tournament beat up as fuck you remember that i did did. his black belt test and then the next day he did a grappling tournament right and he had never done a grappling tournament before in his life or maybe one before i don't know this guy he's not a grappler he's a kickboxer right a good one like old school kickboxer Like, you know, uh, high school gymnasium, kickboxing, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And he went and uh, was like, well, I'm a black belt. What do I do? They said, you have to remember. They said, well, you have to do expert division. He was really worried. And he fought a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt to a draw (laughs) in the finals. (laughs) that was like, God damn, you should do this more often.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because he's just so tough. I remember the guy was trying trying to tap Ben, and, and he couldn't. He was a big dude too. Yeah, and, and couldn't stop Ben. I think at the end the guy had him like in an ankle lock. And Keith on the edge of the mat, don't fucking tap or don't come home. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great coach when he coaches his athletes.
0: You're a hard line, right? Yeah, I have to clarify. If you're wanting to fight. I'm going to coach you like you want to fight. You know, I have soccer moms that come to my gym and they want to get in shape. And I don't coach them the same way. Um, I mean, I guess I could, but I wouldn't have very many of those. Well, but, you, uh,
2: right. you could. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I'll give you an example. Last night, and we'll go back to your whole story, is last night I had these two new girls come in. I've just been getting ready for our fight. This is just taking everything out of me. Two new women come in and having them hold pads, do things. The one woman had taken a couple kickboxer size classes. The other woman never did anything. And she's trying to throw a punch and not breathing. Literally, she throws a punch. I look at her and I go, What the fuck was that? <laughs> 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 she sort of like I knew I could get away with it. I had the good sensibilities, but but anyway, you were from originally, Keith, you're originally from Louisville, right?
0: Originally an hour and a half southwest of Louisville. So, little town called Central City. You've heard of the Everly Brothers, right? From the 50s? To, that's their hometowns. So, every oh, well. year they used to have this big music festival and everything in Central City. Like 500 people, which... five <laughs> well, hundred the whole town. The whole town shows up. They're hanging from the rafters. Uh, well, no, it, it, it was a big deal there for a while. There'd, you know, there'd be 20,000 people show up for this from all over the world. But, yeah, I, I moved to Louisville... Shortly after I graduated from high school, so I want to say early 90s, mid-90s, I've lived here, I've lived in California. How did you end up in Sacramento and then
2: let alone open up a school?
0: I lived in California after I'd gotten married. I'm drawing a blank spot, that's how good the marriage (laughs) was. I got married and I was working corporate audiovisual stuff here in Louisville. I got fired from that job for threatening to throw a guy out of the back of a truck. (laughs) they kind uh, of frowned upon that, don't they? Corporate America is funny that way. Then I I just, I I found a job in in Sacramento doing the same stuff. I moved out there, didn't really have a plan, didn't have a direction. I'd been doing martial arts since I was 14. Started doing jujitsu, started doing some JKD out there with some guys that were from the Seattle school. So trained with uh, Chris Sato. Never got to train with Taki, mostly with Sato. I'd been training with Paul Vunak, driving down to Southern California, training with him. Then I had met a guy, I was training with a, another JKD guy in Sacramento by the name of Matt Kizzy. He had started running his own little training group and I fell in with him. Then I called Vu to set up to do and have him come up to my school. I had a little school in a racket club, believe it or not. I was I was renting out a rac- racquetball court. And, uh, I called Vu. I said, you know, what do we need to do to get you up and do a seminar, kind of right. spread the word that I'm up here? And he's like, I need $500. <laughs> I was like, well, when do you want to come? Oh, just send me $500 and we'll figure it out. Like, well, <laughs> no cool. shit. No, I don't think that's how this works, dude. And he says, you've been an instructor with me for over a year, and you don't have $500 to fucking send me to set up a seminar? And I just went, you know what? Fuck you you and your JKD. And I hung up the phone on him. (laughs) I called Matthew. I called Kizzy and told him what had happened. He said, hang on. I'll call you right back. He calls me back, and he says, I just got off the phone with Hawk. Hawk says, keep your $500. I'll come up there and work for the door.
2: Wow, that's how you hooked up with Hawk. That's how I
0: hooked up with Hawk. Then from there, I've been, you know, with Hawk ever since. And then through Hawk is how I met Tackett. I had Hawk come up and do a seminar at my school, and one day he said, you know, he said, I think you should meet Tim Tackett. I think you should go down there and and work out with those guys and everything, you know. And and Tim always has that Wednesday night group thing going on there. You know, you could just go there and train for free, which I never made it to. My parents here, Southern California, would be on fire with one of those forest fires. They'd be like, can you see the smoke? <laughs> like, well, God damn, it's like 450 miles from here. What do you think? It's a good, good California big. Yeah. People don't realize. They're like, well, you could just go down and train with Tim Tackett anytime you want. No, not really. Too far. Not unless I wanted to get on a plane. You look at it. Well, you could just fly. That was back in the days where you could get a seventy dollar plane ticket to Irvine. Okay. Or something. But but then it's still six hours because yeah. it's like you got to go to the airport. You know, two hours before your flight. The flight's an hour and a half. Then you you get off a plane. You got to get a car. You got to drive an hour. It's like hell. I should just drive from Sacramento if it's going to be six or seven hours. And then you look at it and go, I don't want to do that either.
2: When you start doing a little club, like a friends, a group of friends in the park, or let's say, you know, renting a room, like you said, at a racquetball court, that's a big leap to go from that to opening up a school, because it opens up a whole new world of shit, right? But, oh, Tom, were, were you thinking at some time in the future of doing something on your own, or is that just? It's a
0: good question. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't do
2: it.
0: <laughs> You'll die penniless. <laughs>
2: I'm still hanging in there. I haven't died yet.
0: (laughs) But you're penniless. I I am penniless.
2: (laughs) No, it's true. So Right, so so Tom, like, that's a big deal. It's like, okay, like we said, we all start off in that little group of guys. And you have five or ten guys, and maybe you're even fortunate enough to take home a couple hundred bucks a month. You know, at the end, if you're doing well, you know. Then you go, well, I think I'm so scary talented that who wouldn't want to train with me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to... I'll sign the rent check. I can afford this, and it's a big leap. So you, you obviously went through that process, and yeah. you said, "Fuck it, let me do it." Right?
0: Yeah. Did you ever see my last gym, the yeah. one I had right before two thousand, right before the economy crashed? Yeah, of course. Two thousand eight, like the six. I had a six thousand square foot gym. Right. And I brilliant. had the I had the biggest cage. My cage was three feet bigger than the UFC's cage.
2: Right. Uh, it was big. It's, we worked yeah. at
0: it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Well then I opened up a bigger one after that, six thousand, seven thousand square feet. It was one of the biggest gyms in uh the only gym bigger than mine, I think, at the time was Uriah Fabers. We opened right before that recession hit. And overnight gas prices in California were like almost five dollars a gallon. Right. And and people just Quit coming. They just quit coming. They couldn't afford. They couldn't afford. You know, when 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 you're about to lose your house, you start deciding: Am I going to keep the house and buy groceries, or am I going to go to MMA? It's a big uh, decision. There's quite a strong argument that you should keep
1: doing the the fitness because it's like routine and habit that's going to get you to be successful. But I agree, most people will be like, right, that's the first thing to go.
2: Right, it's a disposable income thing. So you go and you have all these big bills. People stop coming economy tanks, then you're kind of gone. And martial arts is even more niche than the fitness alone. You're going yeah. to CrossFit or lift or do whatever. is more mainstream than learning Kung Fu.
0: There's so many options for people for fitness that's not 140 $150 a month right. that they can go do. If I were to ever open up another actual gym it would be exactly that. It would be a gym that had mats in the back room that we could do, you know, martial right. arts classes on. It wouldn't be. I wouldn't approach the business as I have a martial arts school that has fitness classes. Right. I would approach it as I have a gym that offers martial arts as one of the
2: options. You say that's a better way to go.
0: I think it's a way better way to go, right. especially when there's so many options for people out there. We're talking business here, but you have to have your $99 a month martial arts basic package. Then you have to have your upgrade package where they can have unlimited class, which I never liked unlimited classes. I never liked to offer that, but you you have to, I think. And then you have to have your drop in fee and then you have to have. Well, we also have a cardio kickboxing class. That's 30. (laughs) You got everything you have to offer all that shit. If you can approach it like that, whereas when I first started doing this, it was like, this is what we're going to do, this is all we're going to do, what everybody else is doing is bullshit, and I'm right, I know I'm right. <laughs> and I've yeah. I fucking filed bankruptcy and they're still going teaching their kids karate class. They were right, I'm wrong. <laughs> I've read that book, The E-Myth, right, which
1: stands for The Entrepreneurial Myth, and it's number one book for small business, right? And what it talks about is how you might be the best technician, right? So let's say, for example, you're teaching martial arts class and everyone loves your martial arts class, right? You're the best coach by far. But the skills to run a business are totally different than being a great martial artist and great coach, right? Absolutely. You are able to do both things well and balance both things. Because Jim, for example, I mean, you're not coaching all the time, right? A lot of people are running your classes and you're popping your head in on these things. Yeah,
2: I'm involved in pretty much every aspect of my gym. That's what is terrible about it. But yeah, I do have guys who can teach. If I have to step out and do something else, yes. The problem with my business model is I'm the product.
0: That is a problem.
2: Total problem. You know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I do have very comparable guys teaching, or great. At the end of the day, I'll get. I'm working on the final stuff for the fight I have going on this weekend, and I bet you I had thirty people walk into my office. And people go, Jim, do you have a minute? I look up with this death stare like Clint Eastwood stare and go, no. <laughs> and they just backed out slowly before they got shot. <laughs> because I, was, I was so good. But, yeah, so I'm involved in it more than I like. The, the model is to have other people do that for you. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You need a business manager is what you need. You need somebody that doesn't right. teach their sole job is to manage the gym that, and that person does the marketing that person does the program if you were running a huge karate school they would call that person a program manager
2: right
1: exactly so if
2: tom was going to do something you can of a small doing how would you tell tom to approach that
1: right? do you Here have be- any clients now Not really. I mean, I've got people who are fans of mine and will be, I I mean that in a not very literal way. They like what I do and they would like to see me deliver more stuff, right?
0: All right. This is what I would recommend because this is what I'm doing with my health coaching practice. I'm giving away the goods. So you can send me a check later. Okay. (laughs) You got it. Start a Facebook group and in that group, just deliver value deliver free value to everyone in that group and as people start to join that group they're going to become more and more familiar with your stuff they're going to start liking your stuff and they're going to start searching out like what should i do about this And, and encourage them to ask questions and participate in the group now you have an audience that you can start offering say hey guys i'm going to be here on such and such date If you want to come and do a drop-in class, it's this much. You can start that way. It would also be a great way for you to start offering online lessons, if that's something you've ever thought of. Everything's going to be online. I think Jim should do this, too. You should take your entire curriculum and put it on the Internet for free. Your entire curriculum. (laughs) You think so? You know
2: why? Why? Because they're going to find it anyway. Hackett said that like 20 years ago. He's, so, right. he's right. He's right. A, he's a crazy old man. He can't be right. He's a crazy
0: <laughs> old man. Oh, man. You're giving away the farm. No, give away the farm. People who appreciate value will come to you and spend money with you anyway. They will find you. I mean, just go to YouTube and, and type in jerking off. There will be 400,000 <laughs> videos show up. How do I know you're the best at jerking off? Because I've got a lot of
2: practice. (laughs)
0: Look at that forearm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, you just got to put yourself out there. Deliver value on a consistent basis. Like, for example, with my health coaching, I have almost 500 men in a private Facebook group that's for men's over 40 fitness and health. Yeah. right. You added me
1: to that group. I got offended because I'm 38. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Definitely need some of my programs then. Out of those 500 guys, only a few of them are paying customers. But I'm constantly getting people asking questions through private messages, right. through you know, sending me stuff. And those people will eventually become customers. I'm, I'm positive of it. It's just a numbers game. And the way you get in front of more people to see your stuff that might want to buy your product, whether it be a martial arts class or a fitness class or even just buy my book, you just got to deliver value and and show people that you know what you're talking about. The days of those big – you remember those big, long web pages where it was just line after line after line of text and all that? Those days are gone. People aren't clicking on and buying things anymore. They're not, you know, I can, if I can
2: step in, and I want to go back and how you started this and how you learned all this stuff, because I've picked your brain for the years. I mean, there were times where I would go, Tom, we would go, I would go out to California, and I'd hook up, Hawk was doing a seminar, Keith and I would be in the office, just, I'm picking Keith's brain because he's a pretty smart guy, and we'd be belly laughing, not even training and disturbing the whole seminar. <laughs> Remember, Hawk yeah. would walk in and go, I want to join the party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you do have a real good sense of, uh, of how to do it and a good overlook uh, of the whole business sense. So, I mean, it's, it's not easy. So if we go back, so after going through the configurations of doing martial arts schools, which is a tough, tough business, a lot of work, a lot of hands-on, and that's what doesn't make it appealing. You have not only have to have the skill set or put people in place that have the skill set to do it, but then you have to manage all that shit. It's not like in the 70s when there was one Kung Fu school in town and everyone went there, had no choice. And yeah. now everyone goes, everyone, of course, of YouTube too and all that stuff. So how did you decide, you know, after all this time, after, move, after moving to California, then we're going back to Louisville and say, you know, I want to approach this. Who did you talk to about that? How did that whole thing come about? How did you decide I'm going to become a fitness coach and get these certifications and go Uh-oh. out there? like, how did that come? Okay. Like, I didn't think of doing that for myself. Did somebody caught your eye or something caught your eye that drove you down that path?
0: You probably know this. Probably very few people know this, that while in the mass of trying to run a huge school and, you know, a fight team and all this stuff, I was diagnosed with a heart condition. Yes. I was very, very sick for a while. What was the heart condition? I have a problem with my ejection fraction, which means that the valve that... What? my what? My ejaculation fraction. <laughs> no, my <laughs> the, the ejection fraction. Which means the, uh, the, the blood that leaves the heart and goes back into the system, that, that valve is damaged.
2: Yeah.
0: So I can bring in all the oxygenated blood that I want. Pumping it back out is limited. So... Is this it, something
2: you're born with, or is this developed because you won the lottery?
0: Well, I'm getting to that.
2: I'll shut the fuck so, up.
0: <laughs> shut the fuck up. Just sit there and, and enjoy my show. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will. I will. That's funny. <laughs> so, anyway, so the heart problem came about, and then I just found myself progressively getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Right. As soon as I closed the school, My physical activity started going down because I just, I wasn't teaching. I mean, with a heart condition, I was sparring, you know, 10, 15 rounds a week, right? So I I thought it was no big deal. Turns out that, you know, once that activity level went down, I just started getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Moved here to Kentucky and the heaviest I was on the scale and looked at the number was like 268. Holy shit. As I tell people, I was closer to 300 than 200. That's as heavy as I was. Were you just eating everything? It was a combination of a lot of things, Jim. Number one, the heart condition, they believe, was brought on by acute sleep apnea. So I had a sleep study done, and I was waking up 68 times an hour. Listen, every forty-seven seconds or something yeah. like that. So you like you like snore and wake up. What the fuck?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. that's so what that's happens, like, right?
0: That's what happens. That can be very damaging to your to your heart and and yeah. the rest rest of your body. So they think, of course, nobody knows for sure. It's called a cardiomyopathy when you have something like that happen. So they believe that was part of it. So then I started. So I have to sleep. You know Darth the, the Vader sleep Vader mask. Vader mask, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, let me tell you the first time you wear one of those basically i hadn't slept in years right i hadn't had a good night's sleep in years so the first time you put that on you're like holy fuck do i have to get up tomorrow i mean can i just sleep for the next year yeah. and make up for this so
2: is that what point, that pump oxygen into your lungs or something
0: well it's not oxygen it just forces air so basically with sleep apnea the easy way to describe it is when you exhale your throat kind of tightens you're not able to inhale. Okay. So what this does is it blows air. When you exhale, it forces air back. It basically mouth rapes you with air. Gotcha. And it keeps everything open so that you can, you can take another breath and not and wake yourself up. That was just the tip of the iceberg. Also, because of all this, my, I I had developed low testosterone. So Mm -hmm. heart problem, acute sleep apnea, and low testosterone. So my the, the wow. average guy in their 40s has a testosterone level of about 300 something deciliters or whatever. In a in a deciliter of fluid, which is kind of like that, right. you have you know 300 you know milligrams or whatever. Uh, and I'm I'm sure I'm botching that, but so <laughs> anyway, my That's the average guy in their early, late late 30s, early 40s. Mine was 80. Wow. So, needless to say, I felt like absolute dog shit. As our friend uh, Tom Barnhart would say, I felt like a bag of smashed assholes. (laughs) Uh, Getting all the help for that. So now I've got the CPAP. I've got the testosterone replacement therapy. I'm getting medication for the heart and everything. But I'm still, like, almost 300 pounds. And when you are that sick, you don't... Like, put on a mask and get a shot and feel good the next day. It takes time to come back from being that sick. I was not suicidal by any stretch of the imagination before I started getting treatment. But I remember telling my wife, honey, I'm not going to kill myself. But if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm cool. It's all right. I couldn't imagine feeling like that for another 30 years. So all of this led to I'm finally starting getting treatment, but I'm not doing anything doing anything with my habits i'm not doing anything with my diet i'm not i'm not exercising because i just went so long with not being able to so one day i've got my daughter in the car we're driving along and i see a car crash and i don't know why it just popped into my head i just thought to myself you know a couple of years ago i would have been an asset during a situation like this but now you're not now I'm, a, actually, my exact words to myself was, now I'm a liability. Right.
2: So were you really depressed as well, or?
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I, I mean on top,
2: I mean, obviously. It was-
0: yeah. So that didn't set well with me, and right then it was just like a switch. I was like, I'm going to turn wow. this the fuck around, or I'm going to kill myself in the process of doing right. it. Right. You know, I knew I couldn't work out the way I did when I was running an MMA gym, so I started light. Frustrating, isn't it? It's very frustrating. I still can't work out. I mean, here's the thing. I was explaining this to somebody the other day. I recently deadlifted almost 400 pounds. That's the most I've ever deadlifted in my life. It's a lot. But I can't work out the way I used to. Right. So that you know that that's because I understand my body. I have to listen to my body, and I have to do it. I have to work out the way that works for me. It kind of motivated me to get the knowledge that i was seeking to help myself that was already a certified personal trainer but i went through another trainer program uh i've i've gone through uh you know i started researching what was best for guys in their 40s and older i started researching that got another certification for metabolic conditioning coach i've gone through life coach programs gone through health coaching programs at first because I wanted the knowledge. And then it was like, you know, I kind of dig this stuff. Yeah. I think I can help people. So my quest became, I'm going to help guys that are going through exactly what I'm going through. But the market for guys with heart conditions, low testosterone, and sleep apnea is probably me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I expanded right. out to focusing on guys in their 40s. 40s and beyond. Because it seems to be that that age that time period we're not young men anymore we go through our 30s we still and, and we're doing reasonably well and somewhere around 38 39 that testosterone naturally starts declining and yeah just wait man it's on its way um <laughs> actually starts declining and all the things that used to work don't work anymore yeah or don't work to the degree that they used to work and Most people, well, you know this from being in the martial arts and fitness industry, most people don't know the difference between a push-up and a sit-up. So how are you supposed to know how to make changes to your lifestyle to compensate for the changes that are happening to your body without a coach? It's very difficult.
1: Right. There's a saying that someone said to me, which is, Your body looks after you until you're 40. After you're 40, you need to look after your body. Could you top line some of those differences that you start to see at the age of 40 as that
0: testosterone decreases? Recovery and strength is probably number one. Metabolic resting rate is another. So you have guys that their whole life, they go into the gym and they spend an hour and a half doing a bodybuilding workout that works early on when you're in your 20s, early 30s because you can recover from it. As you start to get older, our stress response to that kind of activity is different and it takes longer for us to recover from that. So my recommendation is to stop doing those bodybuilder, as I call them, mirror workouts. Right. Stop doing that. When you start losing the testosterone, What's the number one enemy of testosterone? It's cortisone, right? Right? So as you impose stress on your body, your body naturally releases more cortisol to combat that stress, okay? Lower testosterone, higher cortisol levels equals even lower testosterone levels. So your ability to recover from the workout, put on lean muscle mass, burn fat, becomes even more diminished, Seems to be the magic window is 35 to 45 minutes of intense physical activity, as opposed to those long bodybuilder workouts. And that includes a warm-up and a cool-down.
2: Well, I don't do a warm-up or a cool-down, so I have extra time. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so I, and this just comes from research and you're, you're doing it. That seems yeah. to be the sweet spot, right? Is there, in, sweet in, spot. is there, in general, are you doing specific strength training days on certain days? Or are you doing hit training? You're you punching the bag, you know?
0: So for me personally, what I like to do, I just kind of switch some things up. So yeah. right now I'm doing three times a week, I'm doing some density training which is uh, I do a, I do a quick warm-up, and then I'll go through uh, like a 15- to 20-minute AMRAP. What I do now, as opposed to like working out for a bodybuilder, like a bodybuilder will say, well, it's chest day. So they'll go in and they'll do, you know, nothing but chest exercises for an hour. What I'm doing right now is I'm breaking it up by movements. I make sure I do some kind of an explosive movement to begin the workout. And then I'll do like a press, a pull some kind of knee dominant movement some kind of hinge movement and then i'll throw an ab exercise in there so like five six exercises i do a strength day and then i do two like what i would just call like a hypertrophy or a bodybuilding day which we're what? just trying to stimulate lean muscle growth so on the uh, strength day i keep my le- my reps low five six reps at the most three to five maybe six reps depending on the weight depending on the exercise I'll go through all six of those exercises. So if I start with a, uh, I'll start with a clean, then I'll go to a uh, a squat. I'll go to like a kettlebell swing, then I'll go to maybe a, a bench press, pull up, hanging leg raises for abs. Once I finish that circuit, I'll get a quick blow, go right back through it. Depending on how long it is if it's a 15-minute AMRAP or 20-minute AMRAP, I'll try to get through it two or three times. Right. And AMRAP is as many uh, rounds as possible or as many reps as possible, depending on how you're doing that. And I'll just, I'll just try to get through that. And the reason why I'm doing that style of uh, workout is if I'm trying to get in and out of the gym in less than 35, 45 minutes, I want to maximize my time in there. Also, I'm not working out five, six times a week anymore. I need to give my body time to recover. Not (laughs) Not only only for medical reasons, but because I'm older. So I give myself more time. I I train three, four times a week tops. Three times a week, I'm doing metabolic conditioning of some sort. Metabolic conditioning is key because I am creating what is called an oxygen deficit in my body. In the short 20 minutes or 30 minutes that I'm working out, I'm working out in such a way that my body will continue to burn fat up to 24 hours after I've stopped working out. Yeah. Whereas, what's most people, what do they think the best way for me to lose weight is to get on the treadmill. Treadmill, yeah, sure. And go for 20 minutes or go for 45 minutes or an hour on the treadmill at a steady pace. Well, as soon as you step off that treadmill, you're done burning calories. As soon
2: as you're done, yep, absolutely.
0: As soon as you're done, because I've not created that oxygen deficit, I hit All that right. epoch post exercise oxygen consumption. That's right. what I want. I want. I want my body to burn long after I've left the gym. So that's why I do metabolic conditioning work. Right.
2: So so last week, I'm actually really a quick last week was. We An interesting for me, and I have no set routine, but so this was I did on Tuesday and Thursday, I did 500 push ups and 250 sit ups straight in 30 minutes, two different days, right? Which I don't know if that's a lot or not, but then I did, um, I sparred 30 rounds last week, did several kettlebell route cards, and on Saturday, what I did is I did 50 straight minutes of prowler, five minute rounds in a race, and I felt fine. I'm kind of all over the place with my working out because of how I, I might be training with a fighter. I might have to spar someone else. There is no way for me right now that I can see to say, okay, Tuesday I'm doing this or that. Is that too all over the place?
0: I would suggest like maybe limiting the days of the week that you go all out. And I know that's very difficult for you. (laughs) Right. limit limit the days because you are like myself of a more seasoned age and see if that see if that extra time off improves your sparring improves the way you feel in other areas of your life improves your sleep See your body doesn't know the difference between good stress and bad stress stress is stress and at some point Even though you're exercising, at some point, there's a point of diminishing return. No doubt. And that's why you don't see gains anymore. When you get to a point where you're not seeing improvement anymore, it's time to slow down, reassess, take a day off, make a dietary change, do whatever you need to do to shake things up. Nine out of ten times, the answer is not to do more. That's unacceptable, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what guys do. They're like, Oh, I'm not I getting know. any results, so I've gotta do I've gotta go harder. I've gotta do right. more, I've gotta add a day. Harder and Like I was saying earlier, you're sacrificing what little precious testosterone you have left to the sea monster, the cortisol monster, because cortisol C-mon. is the natural born <laughs> enemy of testosterone. Right.
2: No, I got you. So with this, so when you do this, all this stuff that you're doing, this people join your group, you, you're doing personal coaching for them, like developing this big overall game plan. So if I was a client of yours, I have a lot of issues. <laughs> but if it was a normal guy calling you up. I'm not sure we can work with you, Jim. I don't think anybody can. <laughs> well, so how does that work? So Tom calls you up and says, hey, I just want to get on a program. You go through a whole
0: litany of stuff, I assume, right? Everything starts with a phone conversation with me. I need to find out what it is you want. You need to find out what it is you want. Most people don't know what it is they really want. And I call it understanding the why underneath your why. I want to lose 20 pounds. Good. It's a great goal. Why? Most people don't know. They don't know. They don't even know that deep, right? Especially guys. Especially guys don't know why. They just... They want to look better, or they want to have. Most of the time, guys like, well, you know, I've put on weight since high school, and uh, I don't have the energy levels that I used to. Most people leave it there, but as a coach, I need to find out really what's the underlying reasons for all that. So, if you say, "I want to lose," "I want to lose weight because I've put on weight since high school, I don't have the energy levels that I used to," a good coach would say something to the effect of why is it important for you to have that extra energy? What, what is it you think you're missing in your life that you're not able to do because you don't have the energy? Right. And they're like, Oh, well, I, you know, it's like, well, I feel like I would have more, I, I would have more energy. I'd have more time to spend with my, my kids and you know, my family. Okay. Why is that important to you? Drilling so, down right. until you get it until, until you finally, you get a response like, well, my dad worked, Third shift and overtime my entire life. We never got to see him, and
2: And he dropped uh,
0: dead. And he dropped dead, and I've regretted it ever since. And I don't want to do that to my kids. Like ah, now we're fucking somewhere that we can start to work from. Right. Now we can start finding out because I can give you all the diet. I can give you all the exercises. I can give you all the shit that you want. And if you're not going to follow through because you don't understand why it's important to you. It's why don't you just write me a check now and never call me back because that's basically what it is. You know, it's funny, Keith, as we talked to you about it, we talked to
2: John Berardi for Precision Nutrition and other coaches. On, that coaching part is pretty important because all the, we talked about all that information is out there. It's on YouTube. It's, you Google anything you want. I had to Google something. I had to fix something on my car. I Googled it. Bam, there's a video. Who'd have figured who's got this kind of fucking time to make a video about my goddamn headlights. Somebody who has got nothing better to do to get it. I was able to fix it. So it's information's out there, but are you going to do it? Are you going to have someone driving you a day in and kind of make that happen? And and that, why I think that's important.
0: You got to understand why you have to have a game plan. Okay. You have to have some kind of a support structure in place Someone who's going to pray, it, it help you celebrate your victories, and give you a boot in the ass when you fail. Right. And those those three things are in, so important. And I don't even I don't even call it weight loss or getting in shape anymore. I just say, you know what? It's all about habit change. It's all about habit change. It's changing the habits that are causing you to be where you are right now, and creating new habits, anchoring that why. You have to anchor your reason for being successful in a way that failure is just unacceptable. And just saying, I want to lose 20 pounds so I look good at the beach is not good enough. You will allow yourself to fail at that. Oh, you will. You're
2: setting yourself up. So if somebody wants to try to get a hold of you, how do they go about getting a hold of you and trying to pick your brain and get involved in the, the stuff that you have?
0: There's a couple of ways. They could go to my website, which is upfortcoaching.com. There's uh, different ways to contact me there. Hook up with me on uh, Facebook. Just do a search for Men's Over 40 Fitness Group. They could get in that way or do a search for Up For Coaching and Fitness on Facebook. That's my page. Uh, I can help anybody. I, my niche, as our friends across the pond might say, our niche, is uh, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah right? I approve, uh, yeah. Uh, my, my niche is uh just happens to be men in their 40s but all of the techniques and habit change methods that I use work for anyone so i mean i work with women i work with children i work it's all about understanding that without changing your habits you can eat the best diet in the world you can have the best workout in the world but if you don't change if you don't change your attitude and the way you approach these things you'll never be as successful as you want to be
2: Absolutely. I agree. So, Tom, did you learn anything today?
1: Yeah, awesome. awesome. <laughs> when I get as know. old as you guys, I'll get back in time.
2: <laughs> oh! oh
0: Tom, so
1: Tom's catching up quick, don't worry.
0: Yeah, two years to yeah. go, boys. I don't know how you guys put this on the uh, on the interwebs, but we have the video going right here, and I see Tom making notes, so that makes me think <laughs> <laughs> I right. feel like I might know what the fuck I'm talking All about, right. it, at okay. least for the last right. hour.
2: Hey, Keith, thanks, man, for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you. We need to talk more about We have to talk off there about some other stuff. Oh, all good. <laughs> yeah. We have to talk. You meet me in my office. But, no, it's an honor, and I appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and get a hold of Keith, man. He is – side question. Are you going to do some private martial art training with anyone?
0: Or I have a private student right now. You know, I just have a little – a couple of mats and stuff – up For It headquarters is really my garage. I've got a folding rack, so I can fold the rack and pull the car in and everything. But uh, that's the short-term. Long-term is back here on the back of the property of the new house. We're going to build one of those uh, metal buildings, and then I'll have a full gym studio there. More for me than anybody else. My, <laughs> that's what matters. Everybody, Keith Milger, builder,
2: upforfitness.com. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.
0: All right, take care.